What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to the channel. Uh, two days in a row here uh, on FanFiatic's YouTube channel. That's uh, that hasn't happened in a while. <laughs> but uh, today, I'm super excited to have author M.L. Spencer, uh, author of The Amazing Dragon Mage, uh, with me today. M.L., how are you doing this morning? Hi, I'm doing good. Now. <laughs> yep, thanks I'm for losing, having me on. Losing, absolutely, I'm losing track of time. <laughs> it's Friday. That's all that matters. <laughs> Um, so have you had a pretty good day so far? Uh, I mean, I know it's like mid afternoon here and just about to end the work day. So <laughs> yeah, I'm in California. So it's only noon here. And of course it's summer break. So I only woke up a couple hours ago, which is wonderful. And I'm still in fact having my morning coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing at all wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, uh, I'm doing like this, this fasting thing for the summer. So I can actually drink coffee till like 10. And so I was, uh, I was drinking my morning coffee and I was talking to Christian Cameron yesterday. Uh, that, that like wait, cause I wake up at like six and that four hour wait before caffeine, it's, it's rough. Oh gosh, that's terrible. So I'm doing a fasting thing too over the summer. And the only thing I'm allowed to eat until pretty much mid afternoon is coffee. Um, um, yeah. So that's kind of like what I'm doing. I've already lost like 12 pounds. I'm really excited. That's awesome. <laughs> All that COVID weight coming off. <laughs> a little bit of pre-COVID weight. <laughs> yeah, so, see, I can't. I, do you drink black coffee? Just straight. No, I have one cream. A little okay. bit of cream. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, like, I, I've got to have. So, they say they use like non-sweetened like almond creamer and all that stuff, and like, you know, I, I like almond milk. Almond creamer is fine, but like the non-sweetened does nothing for me, and I can't drink straight coffee, and so. Okay. Uh, I'm like, all right, I, I gotta, I gotta hit my 9:30 window, and then just all the sugar. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, well, I kind of wanted to start off like I normally start off. Uh, I just want to ask you, tell me, you know, tell me about yourself. Tell me about growing up. Uh, did you read a lot growing up, and kind of how you got into writing? Okay, so when I was growing up, I was an only child, and I was pretty bullied and ostracized. So it was just like me alone all the time. <laughs> and so I kind of had to entertain myself and I grew up basically reading hugely for entertainment. Um, I was a huge reader, like even in the third grade, I was reading like James A. Missioner <laughs> and like huge like novels. Um, I got into fantasy actually from reading um, the Thomas Covenant, Chronicles of Thomas Covenant series by Stephen R. Donaldson. Um, <laughs> my grandma had gone to the store and bought my cousin and I box sets. And my cousin got the Chronicles of Thomas, Thomas Covenant and I got Nancy Drew. <laughs> and I was like ridiculously, ridiculously like unhappy about that. Um, so he swapped me, which is really nice. My doorbell just rang. I'm not getting it. It's really important. But just a good You're good. It's okay. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so that's what started me off um, was Thomas Covenant. Kind of from there, then I probably went to like Lord of the Rings and all like the really classic stuff. Um, I was really into Anne McCaffrey, obviously, <laughs> when I was little. Um, I just like lived in her world. I mean, even like her like little like songs like that she like wrote and put in there. I like put them to music. <laughs> I mean, I was like really kind of nerdy. Um, my grandma owned an orange grove 
And so I made the entire orange grove into like a fantasy land. And I would I would map out the orange grove and make like little cities like here and there and there. And they were having war with each other and they had gods and I had like a whole world wiki. <laughs> so I was like a total nerd even back then. Um, yeah, so, I, and I was constantly writing. My mom didn't really like me to write for some reason. I don't know why. So I would literally hide up in the attic at my little desk that I made for myself. And I had like this whole like string thing attached to like empty aluminum cans so that when she was walking up the stairs, the string would trip and I would, you know, the cans would go and then I would put all my writing away really fast. <laughs> That's ingenious. <laughs> So yeah, um, I I guess I was like, like making little books that I would put together and, you know, bind, you know, I would even sew them. Wow. And up until college when I wrote like my first actual manuscript, which really sucked. Um, <laughs> and it will never see the light of day. But um, yeah, that's kind of like when I started really, really writing. Um, at that point, um, Oh God, who was it? Come on, Miss of Avalon, who was that? Oh, 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 I forgot her name. Um, uh -huh. She had a big magazine going on at the time and I kept on trying to submit to it. I wanted in that magazine so bad. So every month I would send her like a new short story and she'd always send it back to me. Nope, not good enough, nope, not good enough. And honestly, I think that's more than anything that really kind of like polished up my writing was trying to get in that magazine. Um, and another thing is I also took like a whole bunch of creative writing classes in college and that really helped too, I think. Um, and I never really gave up. Um, that's, I think the big thing I, 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 okay, let me amend that. I did give up for a little bit of time because I got really down. Um, after I wrote my first real novel, Dark Mage, I tried submitting it everywhere and it was rejected everywhere. <laughs> and after that, you know, self-publishing wasn't really a thing back then. And so I just said, okay, this is not going to happen for me. And I just said, forget it until about 2012 when I kind of got it out and polished it up. And that's when I self-published it. And that's kind of like when I became a self-published author, I guess, is what you can say. Yeah. <laughs> I gotcha. Yeah. Uh, I, I just think it's so funny how, how you, you created this like little, little trap for when <laughs> come upstairs. Yeah, it's funny because I'm I'm kind of going back through Fallout Four, and all I can think of is like all the raider traps that are set up with cans and string. Oh and so I just I'm just imagining you know just your mom like finding a tripwire <laughs> and going, wait, my daughter's been riding this entire time. <laughs> I don't think she ever connected the string with a tripwire. <laughs> it was just like, wow, my daughter puts random strings on the stairs. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So, um, so tell me a little bit about your writing process. So how is it, how has it maybe changed since, you know, not even from like when you were younger writing, but like when you really started taking it seriously, you started sending, you know, your short stories out, you know, how's, how's your process changed? Do you, do you, you plot out everything? Do you write outlines or do you, do you really just pants it? Um, you know, I think I was more of an outliner, uh, to begin with. I think I'm actually starting to become more of a pantser. Um, Pretty much I make a huge like straight outline, boom. Um, I map everything out like, but it's more like a skeleton, like something has to happen here, you know? Okay, so on chapter whatever, we have to have the inciting incident. 
Okay. Um, this percent of the way through, this needs to happen. Okay. We're 50%. We need that, like, you know, that 50% huge climax going on. And then, you know, and I, I plot it out that way. And then I start just kind of throwing things in. And so basically I kind of like have a roadmap, you know, and then I have to, just like if you're planning like a family trip, okay, we want to go to New York. What are some sites that we want to see along the way? <laughs> um, should we take like a little diversion here and <laughs> go see this? <laughs> so um, that's kind of like what I do. And I just kind of like start filling it in. And um, sometimes I'll have gaps, like maybe, you know, 10 chapters or so, where the whole 10 chapters is just like something big happens here, <laughs> you know? Um, but I won't really know quite what that is until I kind of like almost get to it. And I think I, I rely a lot on inspiration too. You know, um, sometimes like when I'm driving long distances, I'll just sit there and like listen to like, I don't know, video game type music basically. <laughs> um, and I'll have just like flashes come into my brain of ideas and I'll just be like writing them down or, you know, using the voice recorder on my phone. And then those kind of go into the outline too. And even like, I can be like 50% or even 80% of the way through it. I'll have this great idea and I'll, you know, I'll alter the, the outline basically to accommodate it. So I'm a little bit of both, I guess. I gotcha. Yeah. I kind of I like that idea of a timeline and you just, you have a beginning and an end and you just fill in everything in the middle. And yeah, I, I feel like, you know, that, that 50% climax has, it's, it's almost in every book. It's not in every book, but it's almost in every book. Um, and, you know, it's, it's that thing that kind of gets you over the hump if, you know, you're, you know, as a reader, if you're kind of iffy, you don't know quite if if it's going to go in the direction you want it to go. And then it's like, boom, action or boom, ten, you know, really intense situation. And it's like, OK, I, I think I'll keep going. <laughs> <laughs> or, or you know, you just you just have the, the really good opening chapter that just hooks you and keeps you going throughout. Which, which is what Dragon Mage did for me. I, I think I even messaged you and I was like, okay, I, I'm, I've, I've completely fallen in love with Aram. I'm done. We're gonna, we're just gonna, we're just gonna coast through the rest of this book. So. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, so you mentioned some of the some of the authors you read growing up, and you mentioned Anne McCaffrey being being a big one. Um, but you know, would you say she's your maybe your ma major influence in, with writing, or do you have other influences that you're like, okay, th this is really who who started it? You know, started my my writing bug. Okay, that that that's a big one. Um, no, I don't think Anne McCaffrey actually even started the writing bug. I think that it started my my love for dragons, definitely. Um, but as far as me wanting to write and do it myself, I'm going to have to probably attribute that to Robert Jordan. Um, as far as like the seriousness and exactly what direction I wanted my writing to take. Um, the little tiny little things that I was writing throughout my childhood, I never really meant to become a writer. It was just stuff I was doing for my own enjoyment. Um, one of the big books that really influenced me when I was little wasn't even fantasy. Um, it was where the red fern grows. Mm. And I got so stuck on that book um, for a lot of reasons. And I think that that kind of actually propelled me toward more of a kind of almost like a dark kind of fantasy kind of thing, because, you know, it's not a happy book. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not a happy book, but it's a very compelling book. And that's kind of like the way I, I write my stories now is kind of like along that mode. Mm -hmm. I gotcha. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about your your earlier books, uh, and then we'll get in Dragon Mage. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about the the Renwar saga? Um, you know, kind of give us, I guess, a, a brief overview of what it's about. Uh, you know, any major characters 
Um, cause I know, cause that, cause that series is complete now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Correct. Um, so yeah, yeah so, so give us a little bit of, a little bit about that. Okay. Um, yeah. So basically it's about a mage, um, who ends up being like the last of his kind and it falls upon him, him to save his people from this horrible invasion. Um, and in the process, he has to basically make himself completely evil and do all kinds of <laughs> terrible things that, um, um, I think would really kind of like be a test of the reader's morals. You know, do they agree with his choices with, you know, being as pressed as he is, um, would they make the same decisions to go as, as far as, you know, he does. Um, and then we kind of like turn that around a little bit and we see the entire situation from the other point of view, from the enemy's point of view. And we realized that maybe some of the things that he did, um, yeah, maybe they weren't quite justified. <laughs> and so we kind of like go on his journey and his process and kind of like reconciling, you know, what he did and the damage he caused and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then, uh, what about the chaos cycle? Um, I know, I know there's two books out so far yeah. in, in that series. Yeah. That one's not complete. Um, I have yet to write book three. Um, Chaos Cycle is kind of like a continuation of the Ren War Saga. It happens about 20 years later. Um, I wrote book one, book two, and then I got the dragon mage bug that just completely bit me. And I'm like, oh, God, I've got to write this while I'm just, I mean, well, first of all, it was all I could think about. Um, I get consumed by things to the point of obsession. And when that happens, there's nothing else I want to do. I mean, it's literally impossible. Um, so when that happened, it was impossible for me to write the last book on the chaos cycle. And I just veered into Dragon Age. <laughs> I'll go back to it. I will. I promise. Um, but right now I'm just, yeah, I'm consumed by Dragon Mage and then with the Riven World series. So that's all I can really do right now. <laughs> I gotcha. <laughs> So, so it's a continuation. So, does it involve the same characters? Does it does it take on new characters that maybe we saw in the first series? It is. It has some of the characters from the original series, and it kind of continues on too with like a little bit of the next generation. Okay, awesome. Um, so, before we get to Dragon Mage again, uh, uh, Sarah Chorn, I talked to her a couple of days ago, and uh, she wanted she wanted me to ask you a couple of questions. Uh, for, first being marketing and how are you such a wizard at marketing being a self-published oh author? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if I'm actually a marketing wizard. Um, I just, okay. Um, I think when I first got into self-publishing, I sucked at marketing like bad. Like when I originally released dark mage, I didn't even have social media. <laughs> I did not have a Facebook page, nothing, no Twitter, nothing. Um, then when I actually decided to like, Hey, maybe I need to start promoting this stuff. <laughs> and I actually got on social media. Um, I don't do anything small. I really don't. If I do it, it's, it's freaking huge. <laughs> clearly, clearly. <laughs> there you go. Um, so when I got onto social media, I did it freaking huge. And, you know, I built my Twitter up. I think I've got like 18,000 followers. Um, I really hit Facebook hard. Um, I met everybody and I talked to everybody and I tried to just like pick up tidbits from everybody and everything. And Facebook's kind of hard because when you first get onto it, you go into like a lot of groups that don't really help you very much. You know, they're, yeah, they're just like a whole bunch of people who really don't know what they're doing. I mean, it's, 
it's not helpful to a new author. And you have to kind of like find the right groups where you've got people who are actually selling books and you can actually talk to them and find out like kind of like what they're doing. Um, I think when I first started, it was just, it was amazing to me, the people out there offering advice. This is how you market. This is how you sell. And then you go onto their Amazon page and you look and you see like they got like five reviews for all their books. It's like, how can you be telling me how to market? I don't get it. <laughs> so I kind of, I kind of really had to like hunt and sink, you know, where, where can I, where should I be? Um, what crowd should I run with? Um, who can I talk to? And then I just started talking to people and I would pick up like a tidbit here and there and there and there. And I would try different things and just, you know, test strategies. And, you know, it, it, it did not come easily. It obviously, it, it took me a couple of years to really be able to say, okay, I, I don't, I can't say I got this right now. I really can't. I don't got this. <laughs> Every time I think I got this, something changes. And I'm back on my butt again, trying to say, okay, what do I do now? Um, so, but I, but I am definitely better. Um, when things change, I don't have to go all the way back to square one. Maybe I'll go back to like 80% and have to crawl back from there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, let's face it. I can't, I still can't launch a book like some of the big guys, you know, I can't, well, I can't launch a book like Will White. I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, I can launch a book a lot better than I used to, at least if it's a good book. So yeah, I gotcha. I mean, you know, Will is also on what book nine. So I mean, you know, he's he's just continued his series. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, you know, I don't I don't know many people that can launch a, a book like Will. I mean, being on the you know New York New York Times bestseller list and everything as a as a self pub, that's that's that's, that's oh, achieving pretty high. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he he's my idol right there. He is. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I agree, man. There's a lot of, you know, I talk to a lot of self-published authors and they always talk about how much they hate self-promotion. Um, most of the time they don't really like social media. I mean, you know, some of them do now, you know, they, they talk to other authors and I guess get ideas from there. But, you know, you've just got such a mix of traditional and self that it's just kind of all over the place. Yeah. Um, but you, <laughs> you mentioned you mentioned about how you know, you're getting advice from authors that have like you know five reviews on their books on Amazon and stuff, and it kind of kind of makes me remember that when kind of when I first started getting into you know, really reading and I was looking for books on craft, you know, like Stephen King's and Jeff Vandermeer and stuff like that. You know, I would find all these authors that have written you know books on writing, but they like had barely sold any books. Yeah. At least at least from what you can tell, they haven't that sold that many books. And I'm like, you know how. How much you know gumption do you have to have to be like I know how to write a, write a very great book and you should you know read this to find out how even though I haven't sold any but there's a lot yeah. of that out there. there really yeah. it's it's kind of nuts how much is out there. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> I, I guess if they can't sell fiction, you know, they just start trying to write nonfiction and that's all they know. That's yeah, all they can think of. Yeah. Uh, but that's something that, yeah, new authors do need to kind of only pay attention to is pay attention to your sources mm -hmm. and kind of like look and make sure that the advice you're getting is worth what you're paying for it. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, st stick to the mainstream writers and then find out who follows those. And then you, you kind of just kind of just go down the levels and just yeah, and, there until we go. You get to the point. Yeah. Um, and she also wanted me to ask you about botany. Oh, <laughs> okay. Well, I don't, I don't actually do botany very well. <laughs> um, 
It's true. I majored in botany in school. I did. Um, well, all right. My education is awfully strange. I went into um, the UC system as a chemistry major. I got a C in my first chemistry class, and my professor hauled me in and told me, you're not cut out for sciences. Go away. So I, I, I hung my head in failure and went and I got a psychology degree. With, with almost a creative writing minor. I, d I didn't take that, that last class, but I, yeah, so I did that. But then I really didn't want to go to grad school with the psychology degree. At that point, I kind of changed my mind about what I wanted to do, but I couldn't get a job with just like a psychology bachelor's degree. I mean, I was working in like temp jobs for minimum wage. It was so bad. Right. So I decided, okay, I think what I'll do is I'll become a teacher. Hmm, what I want to teach, okay. I'll teach biology. There we go. I'm going to go, you know, just get a teaching credential for biology. And um, I ended up at, at Cal State um, taking biology classes with a concentration in botany. And uh, that's kind of like what I did. So, yeah, nine years later. <laughs> yeah, so I got this botany degree and I started teaching biology. But as far as botany is concerned, um, Despite all the work I did in greenhouses in college, I cannot grow a plant. <laughs> Everything I plant inevitably dies of neglect. <laughs> I mean, my, my children are very lucky to still be alive. <laughs> but um, yeah, for some reason, I just, yeah, they, they, I don't water them. I don't care for them. I don't... I, this is sad. Okay. My great grandma left us and it's gone down through the generations like this succulent and it's the family succulent. It's like over 150 years. It's been in my family. <laughs> I'm charged with keeping it alive. <laughs> and it was the saddest, most pathetic succulent at the beginning of the summer. It was almost dead. It was wilted. It was, um, and I finally got like the family like guilt. <laughs> and so I finally repotted it and it's looking a little happier now, but yeah, I'm, botany, no. <laughs> yeah, my, my wife would say the same thing that the plants that she actually attempts to keep alive end up dying and the ones that she just completely neglects are thriving. We have a no. succulent out front. Literally, it just sits in the same pot. It's It gets <laughs> sunshine, you know, I don't know, 10, 12 hours a day. Mm -hmm. and it gets it only gets watered when it rains and it has to rain pretty hard for the for the wind to carry it in and that sucker it, like it's massive and yet anything we keep in the house and gets watered and gets love and everything it just it just dies yeah, that's <laughs> so i'm like i'm like okay plant stuff ignore it got it exactly there you go <laughs> um all right well let's talk about dragon mage so um clearly it's in spiffbo this year since Biffbo seven uh, crossing fingers, but you know, I've been hearing about this book for forever and I decided to, to jump up on the storytellers on tour uh, book tour for it, which uh, I believe started a couple of days ago. Yes. Uh, and and my, my stops on Monday, the, the 21st. And uh, I have to say this book is phenomenal. Um, we've got, we've got three, three people on it. So it's me and Manny and Justin and then, uh, and then Jason actually reviewed it, I think, back in February and, uh, and gave it a really good rating. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it's just, it's, you know, depending on where, where you find it, it's eight to 900 pages, depending on what format you're in. Uh, or it's, I think it's like 27 hours in audio, which comes out in, in July. And by the way, if you have the, if you have the ebook, it's only $7.49 for the audio book with Whisper Sync on Audible, just FYI. Ben Farrow is a phenomenal 
phenomenal narrator. So if you like audiobooks, go check it out. Uh, I think it comes out on July 20th. So yes. you got about a month. Wow. Um, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Um, so yes, I want I, I want you to, to tell the audience a little bit about it, and then we'll kind of we'll kind of deep dive and do a couple of questions about the story. Okay, so basically, it's something that's been on my mind for years. Um, for years, I had an idea of the split world because Dragon Mage takes place in a world that has been sundered. Um, you got the world above that's been separated from the world below, and geographically, they're pretty much very similar. Um, but they're just com two completely different worlds. The world below is the world of magic, and the world above is kind of like the world of man. And so for that idea, that's an idea that I've had, you know, like I said, for years, and I've been world building that for years, literally. Um, what I never had was a story to put into that world. And that's what happened when I stopped writing the chaos cycle. The story bit me. And I'm like, holy crap, that's my story for my world. I gotta go write it. Um, as far as the magic system, um, the magic system for Dragon Mage consists of basically knots. Um, well, there's different types, there's a couple of different types of magic, but the main yeah. one um, is kind of like about these ethereal strands. And my main character is loves knots. <laughs> and he's very good at knotting, which really works well because that's how magic is used. It's 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 made it's used making various forms of knots of aether, um, making them, breaking them, and doing a whole bunch of things with them. And I wanted a character who could be really, really, really good at something. And I started thinking just about me and my family. And um, I have Asperger's, if you probably can't tell. Um, <laughs> I'm a little socially awkward, and that's kind of a hallmark of it. Um, my son has Asperger's, too. And one of the things about me, especially, is I love um, being on the autism spectrum, which is kind of just, I've always seen it as one of my main strengths. Okay, I didn't always see it. Um, I came to see it. When I was younger, I definitely, well, I didn't know I was on the autism spectrum when I was younger. And I just, there was a lot about myself I didn't understand. Um, it wasn't until later that I came to understand, oh, wow, there's pieces of me that, you know, make my life, you know, more challenging. And it, but it also is my wonderful strength that allows things to absolutely consume me to the point where I can think of absolutely nothing else. And I get really good at those things. And that's what I wanted my main character to be like someone, you know, like me, um, who's just consumed with like knots. <laughs> and is so good with knots. And that's what makes him incredibly, you know, fit to become, you know, the most powerful magic user in his world. So that was the idea that just really struck me. And that's what I had to start writing. Gotcha. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, even, like I said earlier from the first chapter, like Ar Aram was, is just like, perfect like i i, I kind of compare him a little bit to uh, i don't know if you've ever read the winded kingdom by rj barker but garton just kind of not really his mannerisms but just a character you can just really just grab onto and just you know no matter what get behind him i know you know aram do, does kind of make some decisions that you kind of scratch your head and a lot of the characters around him really scratch their heads you know, behind <laughs> him as well um but you know it, it's all to kind of further his 
you know, progression throughout the story, um, as well as you know, to answer a lot of questions that he just is constantly asking and, and wondering about himself, about his past, about his family, etc. Um, but it, 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 it's just it's just so great. <laughs> um, so I know um, you know, you, met, you mentioned uh, Aspergers, and I know you did a uh, article for uh, one of my contributors, Justin, his neurodivergence and fiction series. Uh, which you called uh, how ASD, which is autism spectrum disorder, uh, became your superpower. So, mm-hmm. so, um, so, kind of what you were saying, you you really channeled that into Aram. Um, you know, was that something kind of from the very beginning? You were like, this, this is this is my character, or did Aram just kind of come out of nowhere? Uh, or you know, was he always at the forefront of the story? Um. I really wanted the main character to um, be on the autism spectrum even before I set pen to paper. Um, I didn't know how he was going to kind of turn out until at the end of, I think, like chapter one. (laughs) Um, There's some things that happened to Aram in chapter one. And I just kept on asking, you know, like, how would he feel about this? You know, how would he react? What's he like? And I didn't have to look any further than inside myself. (laughs) And um, I think that that's kind of what makes Aram kind of, you know, a genuine character is because, you know, he's basically me, which is really weird. Every single novel, every single fictional character I've ever written, um, you know, it's it's like acting, you know, you have to kind of like put yourself into a role and you have to be a different person. With Aram, it was actually weird to me because I didn't put myself into him, I put me into him. Mm-hmm. And so that's what really worked for, um, I think, Aram, is that he, then that's what makes him genuine. It's just, it's, it's me. <laughs> Everything about him is me, literally. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so interesting. You know, you, you don't see a lot of, a lot of characters, um, you know, on the spectrum, uh, in fiction. I mean, I feel like you're starting to see a few more kind of crop up over the, over maybe the past couple of years. And I'm, and I'm, you know, I know there'll be more uh, out there. And like I said, Justin's really trying to highlight, you know, authors that are either on the spectrum or write characters that are on the spectrum. Um, and it's, and it's definitely a a very different look than a lot of people are, are used to in fantasy and science fiction. Um, but, uh, I kind of want to ask uh, Pat past that um, this, this whole split world, um, you know, we're used to most fantasy taking place on a continent or two. There's an ocean in between or some rivers that you know, flow through and you got to cross bridges to get to. Um, how does travel work in between your two worlds? Um, and, you know, what was it that struck me that struck you is like, I have to have this upper and lower world um, that made you, you know, so like excited about writing it. (laughs) You know, okay. The whole idea of the split world came one day when I was making a map. It was really simple. It was just like a line map. I'm drawing a continent with a line and I'm getting ready to draw in the ocean. I'm like, should I put it on this side of the line or that side of the line? And I started thinking, wouldn't that be cool if you had a world where, you know, the water was, you know, the, you know, the land on one 
part of the world. And, you know, there you have like this mirror world where the other continents, you know, the land. So I started playing with that idea, you know, okay, well, we can do this and have two worlds, one, you know, on with the map inverted, basically. And I started thinking about, no, let's go ahead and just make it actually both the same world, but just completely like different versions of it. Um, then I got the idea for separating the magical world from the non-magical world, the more realistic world. Um, and that's kind of how the whole idea came to me. Okay. Um, so how does, how does travel work in between the two? So if, oh, if you, you know, can you, you know, if you're, if you're human, you have no magic abilities, are you able to cross into the other world or is, is it like a barrier type thing? Is there, a seance you have to perform. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, that's one thing I've always kind of had a hard time describing is um, the void between worlds and how you get from one world to the other world. You cross through the void. Where's the void? And I've always had this idea in my head that I've had a hard time putting it on the page. I finally was able to do it in the sequel to um, Dragon Mage. Oh. It's read a nice big description about how this works. Um, but basically I kind of see it almost as two bubbles. Um, the world above is like a bubble and the world below is like a bubble. And if you can imagine those two bubbles getting stuck together. Um, so could you go from one bubble into the other bubble? Yeah. And where's the void? You know, it's everything outside those two bubbles. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> you can veer into the void. <laughs> you can. Um, uh, another description I kind of have too is if you can imagine like a sandwich with maybe some peanut butter between the slices and the peanut butter is the void um, between worlds. And so if you can smash those two sandwiches together and kind of like squeeze the peanut butter, you can get from one to the other. So I think that's like kind of the best description I can probably think of for, you know, my world and the void and stuff. So who can go from one world to the other? Anyone who could rip through that bubble basically. And the bubble is made of strands of ether. And so not everybody can do it. And, you know, not good things happen when that happens because then you let the void things can leak kind of through that hole and get into your bubbles. <laughs> right. There's some, there, there's, there's some really nasty things that are, are living within that space. <laughs> okay. Now, now that we're hungry because we're talking about peanut butter sandwiches. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, you, you mentioned book two, you know, I know originally this was going to be a standalone, but uh, I think you had some uh, people or many people's uh, asking for more. So what, what finally made you decide to write a sequel? <laughs> it was a spur of the moment decision. <laughs> it was really weird. Um, uh, all these people were asking me to write a sequel. And so I'm like, oh gosh, should I do it? Should I do it? Okay, maybe, maybe, but I sure wasn't committed because I had no idea at all what I could write in that sequel. And then it was like, gosh, it was like days before publication. And one of my friends kind of like got a hold of me and said, you know, um, you really need to put the sequel up on Amazon so people could pre-order it. I'm like, really? Now I actually have to come up with a sequel. I have to come up with I have to come up with a series name and everything days before this thing goes live. And I have no idea what I'm gonna write. How do you even name a book when you don't know what you're gonna write? <laughs> so that's the first oh, Champion of the Fallen. Yeah, that sounds like a great name. It does. 
I have and I had no idea who was the champion and who was the fallen. <laughs> I had no idea, like a series name. So I put this thing up and I had some crappy series name attached to it originally on Amazon. It was really funny because somebody on Reddit picked it up first. Um, I had that series name on Amazon for probably two hours. And somebody picked it up and was like, what is this? What is this series? And I'm like, I looked at it and I'm like, oh God, that name sucks. <laughs> so then I went back and I'm like, trying all different things. I finally came up with Ribbon World. I did. And I slapped it on there. And so like two hours later, Amazon changed the series name. But somebody actually on Reddit did catch it. They did. <laughs> I, I have to know now. What was the original series name? You, you've got to tell us. I can't even remember. It was something that was under like whatever. I mean, I don't know. It was so bad. <laughs> The, the void around the sundered. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was something like that. It was like, well, you know, I wanted to say something about like the sundered world idea, but that's already taken. There is a sundered world and there's a sundered this and a sundered that and there's a split that. It was just like everything in the world is taken. So yeah, I'm, I'm actually surprised I came up with Riven World. <laughs> I just, it hit me. So I'm glad because I like that name. <laughs> If I say it, it's it's better. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot better. Um, so you know, we've got this this massive tome here. So this beautiful hardcover, and I would take I guess I could take the slipcover off too, because uh because we, we we got we gotta show off the naked hardcovers. We gotta we gotta show how pretty it looks on the inside too. Gosh, I'm sorry, but these are just so much better. I mean, I love I love you know, slipcases and, and dust jackets, but like just a naked hardcover, you could just slap up on the shelf and not worry about wear and tear on a dust jacket. It's just so pretty. Um, so, so this, this massive chunk of a novel, um, again, is amazing. Uh, we've already, uh, like I said, I think Jason gave it a nine or a nine and a half. And now Manny's given it a 10 out of 10. And, I haven't decided my rating yet, but it's it's probably going to be a ten. So, um, but uh, you know, you you've had major success with this book. Uh, you know, I, I've seen you know since since it was pu you know published in January, I've seen everybody talk about it. You see it, you know, people buying it, putting it on their shelves. I mean, clearly you got a little poster book behind you. <laughs> um, tell me, what's next? I mean, clearly you know you've started reading. You're sort writing writing the second one. Sarah, give me a little hint about how great it is. Um, but I want to know what, what's next in the Riven World series? Um, you know, that's a great question. <laughs> um, so I've got book two plotted out. Um, that took me a while, honestly. Um, I've had a horrible time writing that book because I didn't plan on having it. It was not meant to be. And so I literally just floundered for about three months um, trying to figure out how I can write this. And there was plenty of material. There's a lot of ends, actually. Even though I planned on having Dragon Mage be a standalone, there were some loose ends that definitely could be tied up. Um, we, you know, we, we obviously, we, we conquered the major problem in the book. It was, it was very well conquered. Um, but there are other problems out there, other en enemies, bigger enemies, a few of them, um, that also cause a problem with this world. And the world itself is problematic. You know, the world above has lots of problems. 
um, the world below is still very fragile. Um, and there's this place in between where a lot of bad things are happening. And so all these people need um, a champion. And that's kind of what my character is. You know, he's a champion. And so he's he's got he's got some big jobs to do. He really does in a lot of different places. Okay. So uh, is, is your plan to stop it too? Do you, do you now foresee yourself writing a third or do you think it's just going to be a, you know, is it going to stick to a duology? No, um, it's going to be at least three. Um, oh, wow. I'm kind of hoping it doesn't go to four. <laughs> but, I guess it depends on how many people say you need to write a fourth one. Well, like I said, there's, there's a lot of bigger things out there. We only conquered one of them so far. Mm -hmm. And, um, gosh, I mean, if I really wanted to, I can probably really span this out like huge. I don't think I want to do that though. These books are exhausting to write. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking as soon as I finish up this series, okay, I'll finish up that third book of, you know, chaos cycle. And, you know, maybe I'll just freaking retire because by then <laughs> my soul will be gone. <laughs> <laughs> That's like I was talking to Christian yesterday and asked him, you know, how, how long is, you know, this artifact space series, how long is it going to go? And he goes, well, right now it's three books, but I could probably write 25. And I go, oh my gosh. <laughs> I was like, eventually you got to tire. But I mean, you know, I've seen you know, people that have, you know, series that are 18, 19, 20 books long. I mean, you look at Will Time and I'm just like, and uh, Modestits, I think his first series is like 21 books. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I think eventually it just gets exhausting. You know, you get tired of the same characters, but. Or you just, you know, you, you, you spend 10 years trying to figure out where they're going to go next. But that's that's neither here nor there. We're not here to talk about this series. But uh. <laughs> Yeah, I'm thinking probably three or four books. If okay. it goes longer than four books, then, um, like I said, I'll be soulless. I really will. Because that's a ghost right. <laughs> yeah, they, they consume me. They consume my life. They, um, they, they take me away from other things in life that I enjoy. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah. I was going to say three or four. Okay. Just awesome. <laughs> well, um, last question I got for you. Have you read anything recently that you'd recommend? Oh gosh. Yeah. I've really read a lot of things recently. Um, I think um, first and foremost, I'm going to have to recommend um, a Testament of steel by Davis Ashura. Um, I've been reading things from Alec Hudson. That's really great. Shadows of dust. Um, Gosh, I've read so many great stuff lately. Andy Pelliquin has his, there's a couple series out that are just really good. Um, I like, you know, his Hunter series is fantastic. Um, it's like Dark Blade Assassin and those things. Mm -hmm. um, I've been listening to David Estes on Audible and I've been really enjoying that. And also if you like, Dragon Mage, I highly, highly recommend um, Michael R. Miller's Ascendant series. Um, I finished reading that just a couple months ago, um, his book one, and that's really, really good. And I also can recommend Battle Mage by Peter Flannery, which is one of my favorite books of all time. Okay. I was actually recommended Battle Mage the other day. Uh, we had uh, my daughter's first birthday party and, and one of my friends that listens to a lot of books and uh, it kind of surprised me that he was like, yeah, I actually read a book. I was like, wait, you didn't listen to it? And he goes, no, I read it. And I was like, well, what'd you read? He goes, Battle Mage. And I go, 
okay. And then he told me about it. I was like, all right, I, I, I'll have to get on it. So now that you've recommended it too, I, I definitely need to get to it. Yeah, definitely. That that book was a huge influence for me from Dragon Mage. So definitely. Okay. And uh, you mentioned David Estes. I'm pretty sure he's writing a book with Ben Galley. Uh, and I think I think they have a they have a book coming out fairly soon. That's you know what if they do I don't know about it. Um, I do know that he is you know just finishing up another book in his um, series that he's kind of been going with for a while, and mm -hmm. um, so I think that that's coming too. Okay, awesome. Hey, I like this. Half the time I ask that question, everybody's like, "Uh, books? I write them. I don't. Do I read them?" <laughs> So I'm glad to know you've got some recommendations. Um, well, you know, I, I really, really appreciate you coming and chatting with me today. And uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to sharing our tour stop with you and everybody else and our wonderful glowing reviews for Dark Mage. And I'll be sharing this chat again. There's going to be a, a nice giveaway for everybody that wants to enter. Uh, and this will be up on Monday. Uh, but I, I definitely want to recommend uh, – checking out uh, Justin's Neurodivergence uh, and uh, Fiction series. And you can check out Emil's uh, post in there called How ASD Became My Superpower. Uh, I'm going to have a link below uh, the video for you to check that out. Also, make sure to check out our Storytellers on Tour stop on Monday the 21st. Uh, so, again, you can check out this chat once again. You can check out the giveaway for the book and our reviews. Uh, buy Dragon Mage. Buy it. I don't, I don't care if you buy an ebook, hardcover. I would definitely recommend hardcover. Uh, and then you can, if you buy the ebook, you can get the audiobook for super cheap. Uh, again, Ben Farrow is phenomenal. And then pre order Champion of the Fallen, uh, Riven World 2. It's got a phenomenal series title. <laughs> so definitely make sure you do that. Um, and ML, I, I wish you the best of luck in Spiffbo. Uh, you're going to do great. Whether or not you, you know, you, you think you are or not, you're going to do phenomenal because this book is amazing. Um, and uh, we'll have to do this again sometime. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Enjoy your weekend.